Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello there, I'm Richard Herring. Welcome to my Leicester Square Theatre podcast with Marcus Brigstock. Um, I haven't got much to say, really, but I just thought I'd waste some of your time before we got going. If you like these and want to help us out, why don't you go to gofasterstripe.com. You can either buy a badge, you can buy a DVD of me interviewing myself, or you can buy a DVD of one of my shows or any of the other comedians there, and that will help keep us afloat and keep Chris Evans, not that one, uh, in business, because he's, you know, he's in from Wales. He doesn't have any money, so help him out. Anyway, let's sit back and enjoy Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre. And please welcome a man who has been described by his own 16-month-old daughter in card form as my fantastic dad, is Richard Herring! Thank you, fans. Welcome to the show. Hello, it's nice to be here. Welcome, Richard Ames, Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. I was uh, down at um, a five gig the other day. Remember five? It's five IVE, five Ives, they're actually called. And some of, their, some of the fans of them, some middle-aged women now, were, 
they were calling it Rahelastopus. I don't know if that's going to catch on. I hadn't planned anything for that. That's amazing that that came up, wasn't it? It was five. That was my go-to, where would the cool kids be? There'd be a five-ive gig. Uh, yeah, my, uh, my dad was Father's Day uh, yesterday as we're recording this. Um, and uh, uh, it's been a horrible fucking week, hasn't it? So let's, let's go on something nice. Uh, my, my daughter, I, I presume, went out and bought her card that she chose herself uh, that said, to my fantastic dad on the, on the front, which I was a bit disappointed with, I have to say, because I was... I thought this year I was going to win the world's best dad award, but apparently that was not... That was not to be. I thought I'd done some good work with tickling and stuff, but I, got, I think I got complacent. Probably have changed some nappies or something. I don't know, but uh, I think I'm definitely the top billion dad, so that is... That is good. And yeah, it's been... Uh, the week we're recording this, it's, we, uh, we might be in Europe. We might, we're still in Europe as we record this, but we might not be in Europe when you listen to this. So that is... That's a very exciting prospect. I think we still will be in Europe regardless when you listen to this. Or you know, if you're in the future and the desolate wasteland that you've created, uh, then that's... <laughs> I wish we were in Europe like Rich was. He sounds so happy. Uh, it's... But... Uh... We had, it's been a, I mean, there's just been people being shot everywhere. It's awful. And I'm sure by the time you've listened to this, a load more will have been, uh, as I predicted last time. And uh, <laughs> uh, on uh, Thursday, uh, we had the, the horrible experience of uh, Joe Cox being uh, assassinated in the street. And it was... Um, me and my wife were going out for dinner that night. And we sort of... I was so depressed that day. Just everything was so awful. And we sat and we had dinner. We barely talked to each other because we were both thinking about the same. There was nothing to say, was there? And uh, as we were walking away from the restaurant, my wife said, to, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah. She said, I don't think it's what you're, you think it's going to be. And I said, OK, what is it? Uh, and my wife uh, said, why do we have frozen peas? <laughs> uh, and... Uh, <laughs> It wasn't my... To be honest, I was not expecting that question. And she said, well, you know, we have, we have all the other vegetables are fresh. Why now? Why do we still have frozen peas? And then we had a good five-minute discussion about why that was the only vegetable that came in frozen form pop, in popular. I mean, they do. there are some frozen... And I don't know why it is, really. So that was... That was my, my wife has always had this ability to act like some kind of alien from another planet. And that was, to be honest, just having that five minutes where I really thought hard about why we had frozen peas really cheered me up for a little while, made me forget. So that's a question to ask each other when uh, some the next horrible thing happens. Uh, I've also been uh, in a radio uh, play this week, uh, which will come out soon, uh, in which I played a stinky man who goes to visit dominatrixes. That is, uh, that is which I've had three uh, roles in acting in the last year. One was a man who visits escorts and ends up having sex with a man by accident. Uh, one was a man, a husband, who was a bit gr- dirty and grotty and does something horrible to himself. And one was a man who has halitosis and bad, stinky body and has to shower before going to a dominatrix. So, you know, I just assume all the casting directors think I'm a really brilliant actor and can, so can, reach, can reach for that. Anyway, it's lovely to be here. Thank you for coming along. And uh, uh, it's, uh, we've got uh, a brilliant podcast this week, and you can, next week is another brilliant one as well. So hang around for that if you're here. Uh, but uh, my first guest, uh, and only guest this week, is... <laughs> but he is technically the first. Is, uh, he's probably best known from the TV show I Love Muppets. Which is interesting. It's not I Love the Muppets. It's I Love Muppets. 
So I assume it's uh, some kind of documentary about a man who has some kind of fetish for puppets. And I can't blame him for that. That is the reason. You may also have seen him on Holding the Wall. That's, the other, that's where you'll recognise him from. Liz Marcus Brickstock, ladies and gentlemen. Here he is. Welcome. Come in. Sit down. There's a microphone. You have to speak into it like in the olden days. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thanks. What yeah. was the uh, I Love Muppets all about? Do you remember that? You were, yeah, I do, yeah. yeah. It, was a, it was a TV show in which yeah. they asked me about loving Muppets. Right. <laughs> which I do. Do you? Yes. I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I really, really do. And I think Jim Henson and uh, the team, when they were making the Muppet show, especially proper old school Muppet show, I think that's the most I've ever laughed at a TV show. Okay. It's mad. If you uh, had to make love with one of the Muppets, which one would you make love with? Ooh, uh, it's hard, because you. Ca- I, I feel a sense of duty. You need to consider the puppeteer. Yeah, no, definitely, that's part of it. I, and the voiceover person. And I be, we might not be directly involved, but we'll be in yeah, the room. Because massive fan of Frank Oz, yeah. you know, and the, the obvious choice would be Miss Piggy, I yeah. suppose. But then I think I wouldn't want to upset Frank Oz... Who would have to be involved yeah, if I were to? Have what, what are you sex planning with... on doing to Miss Piggy that you'll upset Frank Oz? If you make love to Miss Piggy in a gentle and considerate way, Frank Oz will surely be delighted. Yeah, but <laughs> Miss Piggy could only give her consent if Frank was cool with it. Yeah. Oh, you've sullied the Muppets. You dirty sod. Have you watched the uh, Furchester Hotel uh, on CBeebies, which has some of the Muppets in it? I have not. How is it? Well, because your kids are a bit too old now. It's well, I just I'm really fancy Fenella from. That's where the question came. Well, from. no, it doesn't. I, I, have, yeah. I used to fancy Jan- Janice from the Muppets, which was where the question. Okay, came from. yeah, 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 but yeah. Now Called I'm... Janice, but based on Joni Mitchell in terms of look and how she spoke. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've ruined it for me now. That uh, so uh, and uh, you know the, the band. Confusion. All the band are, are, are real musicians. Rolf is Tom Waits. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Teeth is Doctor John. Yeah. Zoot is Zoot Sims, but actually John Coltrane. Okay. Oh, everybody knows this. Everyone's like, yeah. yeah, we know this. This is why they got you on lo- I Love the Muppets. Muppets Basics. Uh, yeah. Fenella from the First Chess Hotel. I, I'm mainly watching CBB, so a lot of this series of the Rehellistopper, Rehellistopper, is just me talking about CBB shows. I hope you're cool with that. Yeah. Because uh, that's all I do. I get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and those first two hours are quite difficult to get through. Really but nice. luckily... Fenella from Furchester Hotel and uh, Topsy and Tim's mum helped get me through. Okay. Uh, Is but, in uh, the night garden still on? No, it's not on in the morning, so that does not... I, there is okay. no... Right. There's no uh, me imagining threesomes with higgledy-piggledy, is he called? I don't know what that Higgle-piggle. is. Higgle-piggle. Higgle-piggle. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that would be ridiculous. Uh, and, uh, yeah. But Fenella is not... I mean, she's not conventionally attractive. First of all, she's a puppet. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, <laughs> But there's something about her. She's very flamboyant, and there's just something I've really... Gen- I've put her on my list of five celebrities I would like to have sex You know, you've got a list with your girlfriend that you're allowed to have sex yeah, with. Yeah, 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 yeah. Five celebrities. Uh-huh. Mine are Anne Widdicombe, still on there, because the, the challenge. Yeah. And, you know, it's, the, it's fresh territory as well, so it'll be exciting. Yeah. Interesting it's hard use... to find a virgin these days. Interesting use of the word fresh. <laughs> uh, She's... 
Anne Widdicombe yeah. considers me a friend now. Does she? Yeah. Which, what show were you on Anne Widdicombe with? I've done a bunch of shows Have with you? her, and then I had it. She was a guest on I've Never Seen Star Wars. Oh, was she, yeah. Yeah, I managed to get Anne Widdicombe to drink a Jaeger bomb. Right. <laughs> which I was pleased with. It on I've Never Seen Star Wars, which you must come on, by the way. I haven't I've, had you, you on not yet. Done it, no. um, uh, I've yeah. never had sex with Anne Widdicombe, so that's, that's one to, Again, one to but, kick us off. But we're back at the Frank Oz thing. You know, there's, <laughs> it's, it's a complicated consent it arrangement is. there. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, she, so I always check with the guests first, like, what will you do, what will you not do, and, uh, yeah, and then, but I sprung it on her, and I said, I yeah. bet you've never had a Jaeger bomb, she right. loved it, <laughs> she absolutely loved it, she thought, when I said, there's one thing, Anne, that I know you haven't done, and I, and I wasn't going to ask, she started rolling her eyes, and then we both worked out we'd need an entire bottle of Jaeger to make that happen. <laughs> I think it'd be nice. Who's on your? Have you got? Who's on your list of five? Well, stars? it used to be. It used to be Drew Barrymore. Oh yeah, I was very Which keen was on Drew Barrymore. No, post ET. Okay. Post ET. Presumably, you were a child. That then, was our. Um, that was one of my favourite expressions <laughs> at university. But if if mates, I was already sober by then. But if mates had had a really big night, my friend Dan always used to say, oh, "I was more pissed than Drew Barrymore at the ET cast party." <laughs> Very, very pleasing. Um, it used, certainly used to and she's be... Gone, she's fallen off the list now, Drew Barrymore. No, I, I don't know. I, sp- I suppose she's still on it. I haven't yeah. really updated it. I saw, <laughs> I saw Andy Burnham on the train on the way here. Yeah, OK. And he looked so sad. I think such a difficult time, you yeah. know. I, I, probably him, I suppose. <laughs> Just a sense of I kindness don't think you can, and duty. I think you, you know? sort of have to leave... It has, the five have to remain consistent, don't they? Oh, oh you I d- think they probably yeah. do. I mean, I keep changing mine. Yeah. But uh, good, that's cheating, though, right? Oh, hang on, um, 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 Mrs. Griffin from Family Guy. That would be the equivalent okay. of your that is, puppet. I that's harder to do, though, isn't it? Because a puppet you can still manage to have sex with, but a cartoon character. I'd actually, I'd have to ask an illustrator. Yeah, yeah can you can you move the hips? Yeah. It would take a long again, time. Back again. Be like beyond tantric sex. <laughs> <laughs> Tantric cartoon sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In two dimensions as well, though. That would be quite exciting. Yeah. Are there there any boys on your list? Or have there ever been any boys on your list? There are, I'm sure there are. I had a massive crisis uh, um, around uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, When The Lost Boys came out, it was another film called 1969 that he did, which I suspect is no good, but I recommend everybody watch because I love it still. And I was absolutely convinced for quite a while there that I was gay and then realised my homosexuality was confined entirely to Kiefer Sutherland (laughs) within about a two-year window. Yeah. Uh, You're a Kiefer sexual. Yeah. Yeah, but not, not a anymore. Keith sexual, that's a different because thing. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't go anywhere near Jack no. Bauer. No, I mean politically, he, he, <laughs> he's an abomination. Isn't he, would, he? Might, he might torture you. I know. had to stop watching. I loved yeah. season one of Twenty Four, and then by season three, when I found myself cheering for a man pulling another man's toenails <laughs> out, I went, "This is not me. Is it? This, I don't, not comfortable with this." Yeah, I'll try and, I'll try and think. Well, I, I, I used to like uh, David McColment from McColman and Butler. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. You just he wanted had him to sing yes to Yeah, you. well, he, we did. We presented Top of the Pots when he was on. Yeah. And I, ch- I spent ages chatting to him at the bar, and I realised that if he had said, if he'd you said want to come home... On. He yeah. had, like, blue lipstick on. It was very alluring. Yeah, amazing. There might just be that. Amazing. Yeah. Mm. And you could have come home and just gone, no, it was a Smurf. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
I'd, I'd forgotten you, you're one of the former Top of the Pops presenters who's yeah. still okay. Yeah. <laughs> so far, fingers crossed. Provided nobody finds out about CBBs and Fenella the Sexy Puppet. I am only puppet. interested in the adult characters. In, even Fenella is, the, is, the, is a mother. So yeah. she's, she's definitely over the. Phoebe yeah. is a, has the same name as my daughter, so that would be weird. And I don't yeah. know how old Phoebe is in the Muppets. I don't fancy her as a result. Sure. <laughs> Unless she comes Fair back enough. and says she's at least 25. Uh, so uh, that's, I think when you get to nearly yeah. 50, that's as low as you can go. I just admire how much you've thought about Thank this. You, yeah, so <laughs> I've been on top of the bops. I run marathons. I have to think about these yeah. things. Uh, so quite long hair. From the north of England, I helped the, uh, the Yorkshire Ripper kill some of his victims. <laughs> You do have to be careful. I have to be careful then. with my reputation. Yeah. I've got an elaborate gravestone already planned. <laughs> uh, so I'm going, to be, I'm going to be buried standing up. He was buried standing up, Jimmy Savile, or like, I'd, so he could look over the sea in concrete. You know, I think we've talked about this on this really? podcast. Really? He was buried in concrete, yeah. so it would be difficult to dig him up. He's very, you know, he thought ahead. So uh, <laughs> he, wow. he knew it was coming out. And it's Cle- Clement Freud now, isn't it? That's the next oh, one I haven't even, even got on to. so upsetting. I sat next to Clement Freud, uh, first time I did Just a Minute, and um, where, where are you with swearing on the podcast? We can say anything you like. Oh, tremendous, excellent. He, um, I was sitting next to Clement Freud, and it was intimidating, even then, before I knew he was a paedophile. Um, <laughs> and he was sitting between Nicholas Parsons and I, and he pretended to be off mic, but obviously wasn't, because he'd done it for years, he knew perfectly well, and he went... Just ignore the chairman. I'm afraid he's fucking useless. And Nicholas could hear him. It was really awkward for me. I didn't know sort of where to put myself. And then about halfway through, Nicholas fluffed on a line or something. I think he was planning on giving the benefit of the doubt to somebody over something. And uh, <laughs> uh, it was one of those episodes. And, uh, and, and Clement Freud, again, did the same thing. But he went, see, he's a fucking cunt. <laughs> It's like, wow, that is really strong. You're 82 and you've just dropped the C-bomb about Nicholas Parsons. <laughs> Amazing. And, you know, considering what he'd done... Yeah, sure, Nicholas Parsons sure. must be really... High hung. and mighty judgment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, it's, it's quite disappointing, isn't it? It's what's interesting about Clem Freud is they've all just gone, yeah, sorry... It's not, it's not even like a minute of like, yeah. well, we'll wait for the police to... Accept. Yeah, sorry about that. Straight away, yeah. <laughs> we, we've been expecting the call. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> let's move on. Um, uh, talking of uh, celebrities having sex, there is a... Uh, have you seen the website Dirty Brickcom Confessions? In which oh, yes, I have. And I'll be really honest yeah. and say I had a look through and I didn't feature and then I got really... I was oh, you pre- feature? Do I? You're I'm in so there, yeah. pleased. <laughs> I'm so pleased. You're I was really upset. I was like, oh, no one wants to have There's quite a few me. of yours. So they're, not, they're, not, they're kind of, you know, not, they're not... Some of them, I only do pick out the reasonably amusing ones because yeah. some, some of them are just weird. Uh, but, uh, None uh, from Kiefer Sutherland. I'm not, I don't think... Well, you don't know. They're anonymous, so it could be. I'm yeah. convinced Marcus Bristock is a yelper in bed, which, A, I want to see... Mm. And B makes listening to the Museum of Everything more fun. Mm. So I don't know if that's a critique of the Museum of Everything. If I imagine him yelping, at least that's fun or more yeah. fun. So it implies they like the Museum of Everything. I don't know how emphatic a yelp that person is imagining. No. Is I don't. I wouldn't describe myself as a yelper. <laughs> I'm more of a squeaker. I would say. say like, so. I'm more, yeah, like a mouse. Really. Yeah. Good to know. That's well. That's the just. 
and uh, then someone else. Someone else talking. A really to... sexy mouse. Yeah, no, okay. I get that. Um, and another one is about you and Phil Jupiter's. Phil and Marcus having sex would rock my world, literally. <laughs> I think that's just a fat diss. I think that's... uh, (laughs) You think so? I wonder if they mean Phil and I having sex with each other. Yeah, I think you two having sex would rock their world. I mean, I don't think however hefty either you were. the world over. Yeah, I mean, it says literally, so I mean, I think... They must mean literally Literally, I'm presuming this is their world, unless they've got a tiny world somewhere in their back garden. I know know Phil very well. We're we're good friends. I'd be happy to ask him. Yeah, Okay. And we'll see what happens. I, you know, if we come out of Europe, as far as I'm concerned, all bets are off. <laughs> Stability of the world will be of nothing to me. So, look, I want to go back to your youth, first of all, because uh, you went to uh, King's Bruton. Uh, oh, good research. I, well, I, I was from the King's Wessex Cheddar, so we sometimes played you at sports. Well, you the, play, when I your school we. played against <laughs> yeah. the school I attended, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> I think we can be pretty sure that neither you nor I had anything to do with representing... I played in the male hockey team. Did you? I think I might have even played... I think I might have played the other... There's two schools in Bruton. One is King's Bruton, one is Sexy's Bruton. Yes. Are you insulted that you didn't get into Sexy's? Into Sexy's. (laughs) In Bruton, they get all the kids and they get the sexy ones. You go to this school... Yeah, no, you're a you're a king's boy. Yeah. Uh, no, I cut a very romantic figure at King's Bruton. Did he? Yeah, because they made they made all the boys go around dressed as soldiers and sort of gave them guns and stuff and let the older ones shout at them and measure how far a step they were supposed to take and uh, just oh massive load of old bollocks. And I, um, I just didn't go. I just was like, that, I'm not having that. I didn't sort of conscientiously object. Just went, That's absolutely ridiculous. And I used to go and lie by the river smoking French cigarettes and reading <laughs> H.E. Bates novels, <laughs> which I was really into at the time. And I was so... I was obviously so confident, even for a public schoolboy, that uh, the headmaster walked past me one day and just said good afternoon as I sat <laughs> by a tree while all the others were barging around. Yeah, I was expelled from that school. Were you? Is yeah. this you set, was this the one you set fire to the goalposts? No, that no, was another, another one. <laughs> that was another one. That was the first one I was expelled from. I burnt down the goalposts on the football pitch yeah. because I didn't like football. I mean, that's quite... I, could, I didn't need that last piece yeah, of sure, information. Sure, sure, yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's important to note, I did not burn both sets of goalposts down. I right. didn't want to prevent all children playing football. Yeah. What I... My reasoning was, if one set of posts went, they'd only need half the number of kids. Uh, and so I burnt one set of posts down and was invited to leave. Was it lit just the posts or were there nets on the... How do you set fire? Just the posts. So these are old school. They were yeah. made of wood and uh, I built a fire around each of the up... <laughs> The up supports. And yeah. the one fire on one side didn't go because I... Creosote... I was only six. Yeah. So creosote <laughs> smelled like it would burn. It smells like it would burn, but it doesn't all at right. all. And that side I soaked in creosote thinking, this will go right up, and it didn't. Right. But I learned my lesson, and then so I burnt them from the other end. Where did you get creosote from when you were six? The shed. <laughs> there was a shed. With all, it had all the stuff, kindling and stuff. <laughs> Old gloves and everything. Old gloves go up nicely. Yeah. So, yeah, so they went down and I, I, yeah, I had to leave that school. <laughs> and then I went to another one and then I was expelled from there. Yeah. 
that one I led a small exhibition, uh, exhibition expedition of boys uh, on an outing. Right. Across a dual carriageway. <laughs> but in fairness to me, all of us got there and back yeah. safely. Puckle was clipped. <laughs> But it, Puck was pretty slow. Yeah. Anyway, and when I say clip, he was winged, really. He was, he was winged. No, we did. Uh, I, t- I led an expedition, and we went, we went across, across. We had to climb the barrier and across the other three lanes. So, yeah, six lanes twice, both ways. It was a lot like Frogger. Do you remember Frogger? <laughs> it was like Frogger. Uh, I was already fat and quite slow by then, so uh, it was miraculous that we made it across, really. Yeah. Worth it, though. Those mojos weren't going to buy themselves. <laughs> was this the point where mojos were four for a penny or two for a penny? Two for a penny. Uh, I'm a bit older than you. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. I remember the Did day you get four for a yeah, penny? Yeah, I remember the day it changed over to two for a penny. You must have been gutted. Yeah. Did you blame it on the EU? <laughs> I mean, you could now, you couldn't could now, you? I think yeah. I've been before. Yeah, uh, all the terrible. regulations. So, yeah, so I was expelled from that one, and then, uh, and then King's Bruton I was expelled from, yeah. Pretty good going. It was all right. It yeah. was, you had a quite a troubled childhood, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but, I mean, the thing is, I mean, my poor parents, I suppose, but, you know, like, if I hadn't have been expelled from those schools, there's a very real danger that I would be in the cabinet now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, another useless, posh wanker... <laughs> Just confident and entitled. I, and I've still got that, but yeah. only, up, <laughs> only up to the point where I'll do stand-up. Yeah. Which is fine, you know, because very few people get hurt. So, but yeah, I mean, I, it was a kind of, for me, a narrow escape. None of which is to say that a lot of the people that I knew then, they're, they're not all awful, but some, some are. Some are, because yeah. they go, you know, like your relationship with your parents. I, on my seventh birthday, it was perfectly normal. My parents came in and they said, well, I think that's enough of that. And then off I went and I met them again in my early 20s. And uh, <laughs> that, that was sort of that. And um, so, and you know, people like David Cameron and George Osborne, who I really dislike very, very much, uh, they don't wake up and rub their hands and be evil, but they do wake up every morning with uh, having had... Their hearts broken when they were children. Their hearts broken. Their, their souls are ruined, and so they haven't got they haven't got the kindness in them to do those important jobs that they do. I feel really strongly about this because I do know those people. I grew up with them, and they're fucking dangerous. One or two of them should be in Parliament because the education's spectacular. I was expelled, <laughs> and I'm still quick as a whip. <laughs> But when it's most of them, we're in yeah. real danger because they're all, they're all broken inside. Oh. That's why David Cameron got so upset when his mother was raised in the House of Commons. Remember, someone raised the issue of his mother and he went all pink and started shouting at... at um, who's the other chap on the other side? <laughs> I know, right? That's the problem. <laughs> started shouting at Corbyn and talking yeah. to him like, like Corbyn was his mother's gardener. <laughs> Which is what... I think that's what he thinks. I think every day... When they go in, <laughs> someone has to say, and he goes, just before PMQs, he goes, why is my mother's gardener? <laughs> it's my mother's gardener's there again. He's, he's got all lawn clippings on. It's, <laughs> they, no, no, he's the leader of the opposition. Is he? 
brilliant. What a rotor. Uh, yeah. But you, you know, you. So this all happened to you. But you. It was all out, trouble. So I went it. mad. I was uh, addicted to food. Was the first thing yeah. I went when I was about eight. I was. I always thought I was enormous throughout my entire childhood, and I wasn't. I saw some pictures of me as a kid, and I went, "Oh, I was sort of quite a normal-looking kid." And then after about two years. Uh, my uniform had to be made by a tailor <laughs> because I was massive. And, uh, and then I just got bigger and bigger and bigger and then I found drugs and alcohol. So by the time I was 17, I was done. Uh, I went into rehab. I've been sober for, t- for 25 years. Mm. So I've never had a legal drink in my life, ever. <laughs> I, was, I was done. I was sober by the time I was 17 yeah. and off drugs and then I sort of try and manage the food thing. So yeah, I just went mad, but it was really good because I, I got loads of help and met lots of really interesting people. So, you know, lucky me. <laughs> um, and you were, you were a goth at school as well. I was well. a goth. Well, that's, but that, that's compulsory if you're very, very, very overweight. <laughs> there's, like a, there's like a weight you reach and then people tap you on the shoulder you go... You can either stay indoors or become a goth. It's up to you. <laughs> and I went, oh, a bit goth. I love, I love a bit of sunshine. Most goths don't, but I did. I was a hopeless goth. Useless. Useless. I was too perky. I liked, <laughs> I liked all the clothes and I loved the music. Yeah. Uh, and, I, I, and I was sad inside and everything, but I was, you know, for my mates, I couldn't resist being all perky. And they go, should we meet in the graveyard? I go, no, fuck off. Come on. Let's go somewhere fun. There's a really brightly lit cafe over there. What's the point? Why do goths hang out with other goths? Go and be with normal people. That's when it's interesting because you're, you're upsetting. <laughs> That surely is the point, to show up and not be like everyone else. You just hang out in a cluster of goths. Like, mm, mm, no one's bothered my, by, by me being here. You yeah, know? Spread it out a bit. Go somewhere important dressed as a goth. <laughs> yeah. Are there still goths now? Yeah, there's still goths. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're a bit cyber now, goths. Right, they, yeah. they're, they're like, they're like uh, a, a different sort of music. <laughs> Well, talking about being depressed and very mm. upset, you were in the film Love Actually, <laughs> which uh, generally, yes. I've mentioned this a few times and very recently, but when I, one time when I was watching, I mean, I'm quite obsessed with the work of Richard Curtis, yes. both good and in good yep, ways and, yep. and in bad ways. Uh, but one time I was watching Love Actually and I started to cry and thought that I would never stop crying. Not, I wasn't crying because it was romantic, I was sobbing. Uh, because I, was, I think about something in my life, but something in Love Actually, what, sitting on my own watching Love Actually, triggered, triggered me to cry to the point that I thought, I'm not going to be able to stop crying ever again. There are... I don't think it was the bit with you in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd have been so flattered. Uh, that is a film that makes some people cry because yeah. they cry that, that anyone was allowed to make it. Yeah. They hate it so much. And it sort of comes up every Christmas and lots of my friends go, love bloody actually's on again. The worst film in the world. And it definitely isn't. It definitely isn't. I love it. I don't think it's a very good film. But I love it. A- and I'll tell you why. I was... That read-through, right? Imagine... I'm not... I don't, for the most part, I don't really mind about very famous people. There are one or two famous people I've met who I've gone, oh, well, Jack Nicholson, 
very briefly. I was oh, and I a bit couldn't breathe. You know, I was in a room with David Gilmore from Pink Floyd recently, and I went all sweaty. And uh, but that room, like that, had all those people in it for the read through, and the read through was a good deal longer than the film, which is already lots of people say longer than it should be. <laughs> and all the stories, all the creepy bits in it. Uh, which a lot of people find loads of that film really creepy, they all were played out and written really beautifully and they all made perfect sense. And then in the edit, it turns out the film was much too long. So they went, oh, we'll put that in and he'll just show up and tell his very best friend's new (laughs) wife that he absolutely loves her. And then we'll have him walk away and that should be fine. It should (laughs) be fine. There's nothing sinister about that. So, but in the full full read-through, it was so beautiful. Uh, It was stunning. And it was fun. It was really fun to make. I mean, God, what a treat to sit mm-hmm. opposite Bill Nye and have a, have a scene with him. A, a, a pivotal scene, I think. Uh, <laughs> very important scene. They didn't cut it out, and they cut a lot um, of things out. And I made, a fil- I made a film with Kevin Spacey after that, in which I also played a radio host, okay. which is what I played in that. And um, uh, the audition for that, I was sent for the casting, and it was in a hotel room, right? And Kevin Spacey was sitting in a kind of throne in the middle of the room. High-backed? High-backed. Yeah, okay. Really high-backed. Like, higher than the back of his head. <laughs> right. And either side of him, on smaller chairs, yeah. were the people casting it. Right. And uh, uh, various people were sent in. I'm sure this happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it did. Various people were sent in, and I was sent in, and... Um, and they introduced me. They said, oh, uh, Kevin, this is Marcus Brigstock. And Marcus has just been working with Stephen Fry. And they mentioned that because Kevin knew Stephen yeah. Fry. And he probably had no other frame of reference for me. He's just been working with Stephen Fry. And uh, Kevin Spacey went, like this. Right? <laughs> and so I went, I went, and then, and then he went, again, then he went, don't be revolting, Danny. <laughs> And then, and then he said, oh, do you do impressions? And I went, some, not very well. And then he started in. And he and I did impressions, right, in front of each other for about five minutes. <laughs> right, he did his Christopher Walken, which is incredible. He did his, um, his Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, just uh, absolutely amazing. And I was doing various people he'd never heard of. People who also now you can't do anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I noticed you did a very good Clement Freud. Yeah, very so good Clement Freud. Wonderful Jimmy Savile. did them all. <laughs> Can't now, just gone. Gone. And at the end of it, he went, he, he said, I assume from that you can do an American accent, come and be in the film. <laughs> and the casting people went, right, very good, wrote it down, and then I was in a film wow. with Kevin Spacey. Yeah, pretty fun. Well, it's better being typecast as a DJ rather than a sex pervert, which there is right. <laughs> yeah. I think I could never be in a Richard Kurtz film because there's never some grotty bloke wanking in the corner. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. I did. I did. I mean, I really love Richard Curtis. Yeah, I have to he's, say. he's phenomenal. Uh, I, I auditioned for the uh, Bridget Jones film, oh, okay. the new one, but I didn't. Yeah. Well, the thing is, as well, like for the people who passionately hate Love Actually, you just go. Do you know what Richard Curtis does every year? For six months, he just works for free for comic relief for six months out of every single year since he set it up for six months and makes no other money from doing anything else and just gives six, half of his year every year to comic relief. And then you sort of have to go, fuck off if you don't like him. Fuck off. <laughs> he's, he's better than you. <laughs> so I'll ask you some emergency I mean, questions. I'd do the same, but I can't yeah. afford it like That's he can. <laughs> 
Here's some emergency questions. Here's a new emergency question. Why do we have frozen peas? <laughs> I've always thought that we have frozen peas for those times in your life when something so sad has happened <laughs> that they're really the only conversation we <laughs> I think that's what frozen peas are for. They pick, you know, they get them frozen in, in under an hour. Yeah. They just pick and freeze them straight away, and they're better that way. Must be, it must be. I mean, it's kind of interesting when you think about it. I think it's because um, it, it's quite, they're quite, if you, if you have them fresh, they have to stay in their pods, presumably. Yeah. And then that's quite, a spe- that takes up a lot of space. Yeah. And then you have to pod the fuckers. Yeah. And that takes a lot of and time. They're, and they're already not as nice as a yeah. straightforward frozen pea. No, I think, I don't think they yeah. are. Someone else, I, I wrote about this and someone said that fresh peas are nicer than frozen peas. They're I not. don't think they are. They're not. And also, if someone's really badly injured. Yeah. And you put fresh peas on. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. It's what that is is a garnish, <laughs> rather than medicine. Yeah. My daughter's finger was saved by frozen peas. Was it? Yeah, she cut her finger off. Yeah, she's the kid, right? You know, if your kids are playing and they're playing with doors, and an adult goes, "Don't play with doors." When I say it, I go and get my daughter and wave her hand in their face. And go, <laughs> Don't play with doors. That's what happens if you play with doors. Imagine how more effective that would be if you hadn't had the fingers reattached, though, and just went up and went, yeah. that's what happens when yeah. you play with doors. <laughs> ah, skeleton child, skeleton fingers. They sewed a frozen pea on <laughs> where the, fe- the finger should have been. <laughs> yeah. No, we saved the finger on, a, on yeah. a bag of frozen peas, went in, they sewed it back on. Did you eat Bloody the NHS. <laughs> Did you eat the peas afterwards? Obs. Yeah. <laughs> On the way home, something really traumatic had happened. <laughs> it was the only conversation <laughs> worth having, Rich. I, 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 I eat them frozen. When I was a kid, I used to eat them frozen yeah, all the yummy. time. They're delicious. I'm they? a big fan of stuff that's still frozen. Yeah. When I worked, when I was in the absolute depths of my eating disorder, <laughs> I was the uh, chief beverages operator at the Little Chef. Tiverton turn off of the M5 uh, and um, the, after I left they did an inventory on the freezer and found all the frozen stuff I tried to eat <laughs> amazing amazing pizzas wow. they have, they have uh, chocolate fudge gatto frozen just huge bites taken out of it <laughs> I used to eat frozen prawns do you ever try yeah, that? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. nothing nice. wrong with that it's yeah, a nice. prawn lolly yeah <laughs> Delicious. If you, the big ones, like Madagascar, yeah. like proper yeah. tiger prawn. Yeah, prawn lolly. Delicious. <laughs> Lovely. Do you go raw or uh, cooked? With prawns, yeah. I cook them now. Yeah. <laughs> Coward. <laughs> I've had too many, uh, too many run-ins with... Uh... It's a good way of starting to lose weight, is to get food poisoning. Never mind starting. It's yeah. fantastic. I am, I'm worryingly robust where stuff like that's concerned. <laughs> like, I can eat anything and I don't get poorly. When I do, it's magnificent. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'll go for some more emergency questions. Yeah, some, sure. I've got loads of new ones. I've, d- I've done... Um, what is the worst rumour you've heard about yourself that isn't true? Well, it, oh, it can, right, thanks. It can, be, it, can be, it can be true, if you like. I tell you, I tell you it's not really the worst rumour, uh, but when Andre Vincent, right, yes. he's a very good stand-up, good mate of yours and mine. And he I've stole no- my towel in Edinburgh. You'll remember him from then. Yeah. <laughs> I've, no- I've known Vinny for years, and we were doing a show together. We were doing a show 
brilliantly called the award-winning show <laughs> in Edinburgh. Yeah. So my poster said, Marcus Brigstock, the award-winning show, uh, which was why we came up with the show. Anyway, we needed some stuff uh, from my parents' house, and so we went down there to pick up some costumes and bits and pieces that I had down there. And when Andre came back, he told everybody, he said, yeah, well, I went down there, and it is, it's as big as you think it's going to be. It's huge. We stayed the night, and uh, the next day after breakfast, we were made to trim the maze. <laughs> <laughs> and there is see there's not enough laughter but there isn't a maze at my parents house yet it's still growing uh, no it's just said we were made to trim the maze and then people are like I bloody knew it I knew he was that posh is he like proper like landed gentry no no, and then once Vinny got a few bites, he was like, yeah, trimming the maze was quite fun to begin with until the peacocks turned on us. <laughs> God's sake. So, it's hardly a bad rumour, though, I mean... It's, no, that's yeah. all right. I mean, the, my, the, my reference to the high-backed armchair was the one about me, which you, you can stop listening, is because they know this, is that uh, what I, when I was a single man, what I liked to do was to invite women back to my hotel room yes. and make them dance while I sat in a high-backed armchair and masturbated. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I ha- thought and I heard, heard that, that story was going <laughs> somewhere beyond where we just got. But that's a real that thing. Was that was all. Man, I've taught, I know how lonely it is. It's fine. I've One certainly the... masturbated in a lot of hotel rooms, but if there were ever, yes. ever, was ever a woman so many. There, Do you know what? Was... We've probably masturbated in the same hotel room. <laughs> There's a comforting thought. Not at the yeah. same time. No, but if you could do that thing where you could travel through time and... Yeah, back yeah. In this, I often think when you're sort of going around, if you could just see everywhere, everyone who'd ever been in that space. Oh, oh, God. I mean, it'd be very Horrendous. particularly bad in hotel rooms. Yes. Yeah. There was... Uh, do you end up watching very, very late night telly? Yeah, well, I used to a lot, yeah. Yeah, they have these things where you... They're trying to get people to phone, and it costs a fortune to phone. And they'll, it'll be something really obvious, like they'll say there's a word missing, and it's white something. White something. Is it white wedding? Is it White Wedding? What could it be? Phone up. Is it White Night? Is it White Night? Phone us now. And it's like a tenner or something to phone up. Yeah. And I, I just I was watching this for ages. It's hypnotic and weird. And eventually I went, that's it, I'm calling. <laughs> and she, and I was, it took forever to phone and I had to use a credit card and everything. It cost about a tenner. And she's going, it's White Something. It's not White Wedding, is it? It's not White Night. What is it? White Something. We've got to call her here on line four. White Something. What is it? I went, is it Power? <laughs> And, um, and brilliantly, she didn't spot it. She went, white power, it could be. It could be. It could be white power. Let's have a look. Is it white power? White power. And obviously, in her earpiece, like, cause my phone had already been cut and got dead. In her earpiece, they go, pull out, pull out. <laughs> Oh if you, this is a, I've been, a lot of people steal my emergency questions and use them in other situations. So this week, Moby was asked, would he prefer a ham hand or a sun cream armpit? Uh, and he chose sun cream armpit because he, they didn't ask the question properly. He said because he likes having fingers. But you can still have fingers with a ham hand, Moby, you idiot. Uh, but, uh, Moby's, every, Moby's vegan. He uh, wouldn't. Well, this does it be, it's, it's all right for vegans because it's not an animal, it's your hand. Oh, okay. So it's just taste, it will taste, it's all the beauty. Oh, I've never thought about that. Can, uh, if there are any vegans here, can you eat your own scabs? <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> well, no, they won't have honey, will they? No. So, <laughs> um, Can you swallow your own spit, or do you have to just keep on going... <laughs> <laughs> um, 
this, so I've been stealing some questions from the internet. I, I, I basically yeah. Googled what is a good question to ask. Ah. Uh, and lifehacks.io asked, if you could jump into a pool of something, what would it be? Water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, lo- I love swimming. You could do that. Fantastic. <laughs> Definitely water. Also, like, historically, it's been proven to be a safe thing to yeah, jump into, hasn't it? Like, I'd have, I'd have almost, almost no worries about yeah. that. Uh, but I love, re- I really, oh, well, because you did a show about it. I love yoghurt so yes. much. <laughs> so maybe yoghurt. Yeah. I don't yeah. like yoghurt that much, so I wouldn't... I would, you don't? No, I just like a normal amount. Uh, <laughs> I like it more than a normal amount. Yeah, it'd be interesting to jump into a pool of yoghurt. It would. That would be awesome. It would. And apparently, according to science, although... Yeah. Although these days, I think people have had enough of experts, haven't they? <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, uh, someone diving into a pool of custard and swimming uh, next to a person diving in a pool of water and swimming, if, yeah. if they're of equal strength, they'll reach the end at the same time. Right. Because even though the custard's very dense and make you think you'd move very slowly, the viscosity of it means you'd have more resistance. Oh. So each backstroke would propel you further... Further forward. Fascinating. What scientists are these that have done this research? Robin Ince. Robin Ince, the scientist. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, So let's see uh, another one. Uh, um, uh, This is from buzzkenya.com. This is a popular one. Is there anything purple within ten feet of you? Yeah. What is it? Part of you. (laughs) Not that purple. No, mine's not either. No. Like, I think that <laughs> I think the purpleness of, yeah. of Peni has been exaggerated. <laughs> yeah. Like, some of them are purple, but I yeah. think they might be ones that are not very well. <laughs> or uh, yeah, I don't know. See, I'm circumcised. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Are you? No, I'm not. But it's oh, okay. uh, have, what an interesting conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. I never imagined the. No, is, I, is there anything purple within ten feet of you? Question. Would lead to this. Right, here we go. The moment you said the word purple, yeah, no, I think it's and now that Prince is dead, I knew yeah. that was all, all else there was. Yeah. But I, uh, yeah, I am circumcised. Yeah. Um, not remember? for religious reasons. No. It was a bet. Uh, no, um, no. But I, I did a, I did a show. Uh, I did a show called God Collar, all about theology and stuff. And I, I talked about circumcision and how bizarre it is as a sort of, you know, if man is made in God's image, yeah. maybe that's the bit. Like on, if you made airfix models, maybe that's the bit where we were attached to the frame <laughs> and it's meant to be like filed off you know God, God never intended and uh, but anyway so I mentioned that I was circumcised and talked about it a bit in the show and then usually if I did if I did an encore it was always a and a and it was usually either very cross religious people going oh I suppose I suppose you think we're descended from monkeys do you or very cross atheists going why are you being so reasonable about people having some sort of faith you coward <laughs> uh, but in Hull one night I went on stage and uh, at the encore and I said look I, I don't save anything for the end of the show has anyone got any questions? And a bloke front row hand went straight up and he went, I've got a question. If you're circumcised, when you're wanking, is the first stroke away or towards? <laughs> Two hour show about theology. <laughs> it was all he. 
Is that going on the list yeah. of questions? Yeah. He's writing it in the book as we speak. Good. Uh, <laughs> there's a whole chapter about circumcision in my book, Talking Cock, that Talking I, have, cock. I have right yeah. here. Uh, it's quite a weird uh, thing to happen. Uh, there's a, uh, it reminds me, I don't think I've told this before, there was a man, there was, in that chapter, about some, you can try and regrow your, your foreskin. There are, yeah, there are sort of reclaim groups yeah. in America, aren't you there? You sort of do quite a lot of stretching. Have, have you lost your foreskin <laughs> in an accident that wasn't your fault? <laughs> yeah, they sort of attach things and yeah. stitch them back on. I'm just not bothered. No. Uh, it doesn't bother I'm me. I'm just worried if I come on, have you ever seen Star Wars? That's another thing that's going to... Yeah. Have you ever been circumcised? <laughs> no, I haven't. OK, there you go. Well, let's, let's see how Anne, that Here's Anne Whittaker with a mallet and a chisel. <laughs> Uh, that actually leads to uh, another question that I have about recent news. Uh, do, do you think uh, the, the now penis transplants are now uh, allowed are now possible? Yep. And some of these come about because someone like sometimes circumcisions go wrong and babies yep. lose their entire apparatus, and yep. so you can. But do you think it's ethically a danger field, a dangerous field to be in, <laughs> uh, a dangerous area to get into that we can transplant penises now? I mean, at the moment they're taken from dead people and then transplanted on, but. I'm just worried that they'll start they taking them from the living. With the, I, I, I haven't seen, like, in terms of what's possible, yeah. are they still basically suggesting it's one each? <laughs> yeah, I think it is. For those who only have one, it's one. I don't know if you... There are people who are diphylactic. One in 100,000 men are born with two penises. Uh, they rarely is, both are functioning. More like a, a prong. Yeah. Uh, like a, <laughs> like a toasting gambling. fork, really. Gambling. So I don't know if they lose one where they can say, can I have another one back? Yes, I don't know. I don't have any ethical problem. If somebody needs a, a different yeah. penis for yeah, a reason... Yeah, that's fine. If they've, had, if they've lost it in an accident or... A or disease. even if they're just sick of it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they've broken it somehow. Yeah. You know, are they just gone... Would you, nice be, have a would you be happy... If you lost your penis, would you be happy to take another man's penis on spec without checking it out first? Or would you say, can I see a selection on a tray? Oh. And, and pick... <laughs> It's a good question. I don't know. It would be very weird to get a, an uncircumcised penis at this stage yeah. of my life. I wouldn't know, wh- I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah. I mean, I'd give it a go. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I, think, I think I'd want to see them. Yeah. I mean, if you go for a nose job, they, they, don't, just, they don't just wake up and go, oh, damn, this is, <laughs> this is cute because it's tiny, but I'm a huge man. This, <laughs> this makes no sense. Or, you know, a yeah. slender, small woman going, this nose is ridiculous. I'm like Serrano de Bergerac. And I feel it would be similar with a penis, especially if it were attached where the nose is supposed to be. <laughs> It's, there's a lot of interesting ethical questions about that. About of course that there are. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not sure, just I worry, because I have a very beautiful penis, mm-hmm. that if people find out about that, and they will, because I'm broadcasting it on the internet, that they go, oh, well, I fancy a rich man. That Rupert Murdoch goes, oh, my old withered acorn, like, his penis is a like a bit... mushroom in a Chinese soup. Yeah. And he's going, oh, I could have an amazing penis like Richard Herring's, and apparently it's great. Send my people down to... Kill him, maybe, or just anaesthetise him. Wow. Take or, it off. or, more excitingly, like Indecent Proposal, make you an offer you couldn't refuse. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I mean, I think now, if someone offered me a lot of money for it, I'd give it up. <laughs> I mean, 10 or 15 years ago, no way. You, you would feel like, oh, God, that's my whole life. Now, you know, I'm married, I've had a baby. Hmm. 
essentially just a, a useless wee spout. <laughs> it doesn't even work very efficiently at that. No. I wouldn't tell the person who wanted a million... I wouldn't go, oh, by the way, if you use this wee, you'll go on the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you better, you better yeah. sit down if you're going to yeah. use this. No, you keep all that. Yeah, that, would be in the, that would be in the smallest print, yeah, yeah. wouldn't it? Oh, then, yeah. That must be you. That must be this, your prostate. This penis is useless. <laughs> it was so pretty, but I'm spraying <laughs> like... I'm just, I'm just worried about that. I'm just worried about being harvested. My guess is, Rich, you'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see, what else? Um, uh, you like skiing. I really hate skiing, but you're massively into skiing. You, you don't think? hate skiing. I do hate skiing. You I've, don't. I've tried it twice and I hate it. My wife loves it. When you it. say you tried it twice, two, two weeks of ski lessons or two attempts at skiing? I've had a week and then a couple of days. All oh, right, you do hate skiing. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Uh, <laughs> do you? What? Well, my How? wife loves it. I just not enjoy. I mean, I've not enjoyed it at all. But it might because mainly because it makes my feet hurt. Oh, you should snowboard then. Yeah, then your knees and wrists and arse will hurt. I. It just uh, feels um, like you're going to die or you know break some ligament that means you can't I, um, work for a year. That's what it I'm worried may about. Be, it may be connected to the fact that I haven't had a drink or any drugs for 25 years. Right. My like. I love skiing and snowboarding to a ridiculous extent. Yeah. And I love nothing more than standing right on the edge of control and knowing that if I fall, something dreadful is going to happen. Yeah, that's and one of the off-putting things. That's even, that's even with evidence because a lot of dreadful things have happened when I've fallen. I, yes. did, I was on series one of The Jump, yes. the popular... Um, <laughs> the popular and credible Channel 4 show. Well, it was weird, that, because I did the jump and a load of people were sending me social media stuff going, you bastard, you <laughs> shit asshole bastard. Now we'll never have to listen to you again because of this. And I'm like, I'm being trained by Olympians and world champions to do a thing I've loved since I, was, since I lost all the weight. Right, and I'm being trained for free for a month in the Alps every day. This is brilliant. It was like the greatest privilege. And despite the fact I snapped my cruciate ligament and an entire year of my life really went to hell, I would do it again. <laughs> I fucking loved it. It was oh god, it was so good. I flew through the air and then smashed my leg. <laughs> I did see that. I, I fell so hard, I nearly needed a new cock. <laughs> this arm is not good at the moment. Right. My left arm is not good at the moment because of an accident I had in March. And I was somewhere where I wasn't supposed to be, so I couldn't really ask for help. <laughs> so I had to get up and like get back onto the bit where I was meant to be. And by then I thought, ah, oh, that will mend itself, forgetting that I'm over 40. Yeah. And it just hasn't. It's all right. <laughs> worth it. Yeah. Worth it. I loved it. I had a lovely so, time. You, but you generally couldn't work for a year after... Not there wasn't just, not just because people were going, you were on the jump, you're not gonna have, we're not going to employ well, you. Well, no, there is that. <laughs> there is that, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was basically like uh, the leg was all broken, so I couldn't really stand up, which is difficult if you're a stand-up. <laughs> and uh, they also gave me tramadol. They gave me a box of... You can hear people in the audience go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But right, I've been sober, and I really, like, I don't take paracetamol if I can avoid it. You know, I like a, nothing, nothing, nothing. And they gave me the box of Tramadol, and I went, oh, okay, what do I do with these? And she said to me, take them if it hurts or you can't sleep. And I went, okay, how many do I take? And she said, you'll know. 
And I just went home and lay on the sofa and watched Storage Wars whilst taking Tramadol. Right. Which is amazing stuff. The main way of describing it is you never mind being awake. <laughs> You're just awake and you don't care about that or anything. So between, between the injury and the tramadol and, and a bit of probably a bit of depression possibly caused by the tramadol, yeah, it was really bad. Yeah. But, I went, you know, uh, as soon as the leg was mended, I went up to Hemel Hempstead and did a ski lesson to see if I could still ski. <laughs> right. And I can. Okay. Like a twat. <laughs> yeah. I hurt myself very badly listening to... Do you know a whole lot of Rosie by ACDC? It has uh, uh, Angus Young um, plays this very hard riff, and then the crowd goes Angus. And I was listening to this on a chairlift, and it made it made all of the hairs on my back stand up, and I'm really hairy. So, so, and I was really like, my whole body was just coursing with this adrenaline and this massive overconfidence, even for a public schoolboy like me. <laughs> really dangerous, like, uh, you know. And I got off and I strapped my back foot into my, uh, into my snowboard and set off with this playing. And just set off down the hill. And when I clipped the back edge of my board and started falling, both of my headphones came out of my ears. And I was in the air long enough to realise how dangerous ACDC is to listen to <laughs> and make plans for the rest of the year. It was that long before I landed. It right. was, yeah, yeah. Worth it. <laughs> Loved it. People do the same every week. I, I, I'm, I don't give a toss whether people drink or they don't drink. People do the same every week. They go out, they get incredibly drunk and feel like shit for a day or two days if you're over 40 and go, yeah, worth it. We had a laugh. Yeah. Same with me for skiing. Just much more expensive and dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I'm just a chicken. I'm not, you know. I, that, so I don't take. I've never taken drugs because I'm too scared of dying <laughs> from taking drugs, and I've never. Oh, you should try tramadol. Shall I? will give it a go. It does sound good. Uh, I mean, yeah, we'll see. Uh, have you never taken any drugs? I've, d- I've done a little bit, but not in yeah. showbiz, not showbiz standard drugs. Oh, okay. Not like our next guest. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, no, because no, I, no, I was always too scared. I did mm. coke in my mid thirties yeah. about once or twice because up until then I was just scared that I would like it so much. I'd like dr- a drink. You know, Were I'd you used to drink. touring or in the clubs at the time when coke was really popular? Yeah, I think I was, but I'd never, you know, I was just, I really would... Because it made, it made already overconfident people yeah. absolutely fucking unbearable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My thing with Coke has always been that it should be completely legal. Anyone should be allowed to take Coke unless they want to. <laughs> and then those ones should be prevented, because yeah. they're the only ones who shouldn't take Coke. <laughs> It's back to the uh, politicians again, isn't it? It's the yeah. same. It's basically the yes, same. Exactly. Um, cool. Uh, well, and also, I, mean, we were quick, I think we might. Well, we can't work out if we did do an Edinburgh Fringe podcast together, but we think we did. I'm we sure think I probably we did. We had, sure. We've had so many conversations in Edinburgh, and we think one of them may have been recorded. <laughs> and I'm sure I must have talked about this, but you, again, you did like an odd selection of jobs once you left school. Yeah. Uh, so you're a podium dancer. Yeah. And you worked on an oil rig. Yeah. No, those are two that. separate gigs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, they, do, they still don't, despite my letters, the audition tapes I've sent, they still don't have podium dancers on oil rigs. <laughs> it's a shame, because with the Derek in the middle, you know, there's so many poles to dance around. 
basically what happened was I went from, I was 24 stone when I was 17. And then in seven months, I went to 11 stone. Right. right. So I'm more than half my body weight in seven months. And it felt pretty good to be me. Right. And I, I, apart from the fact I fell over all the time because there now wasn't enough blood in my body for my still distended muscles in my legs. Right. Which had yeah. been used to carrying around 24 stone to to <laughs> to fuel both them and my head. So if I <laughs> which is huge. Uh, and I, if I went up a flight of stairs, which I always did running because I could and it felt great, I'd get to the top and my body would just go, sorry, no head blood. <laughs> and I'd wipe out. So anyway, um, it felt really amazing being me. And so, and my body was very, like, I wanted to move it all the time. I was very twitchy and I listened to music all the time and then started going clubbing. And then it felt so good. I just, um, I'd end up like going up on podiums to, just to get more space to dance because that's what it was like. And I was completely drug free. And I, yeah, I got talent spotted in the Ministry of Sound. And a, a guy said, uh, he said, I've been watching you dance. I went, of course you have. Look at me. <laughs> I'm 11 stone. I did, I would tell complete straight. You know how people go, I'm 84, you know. <laughs> I was like, I'm 11 stone. <laughs> I haven't said that in a while. Um, but uh, yeah, so, and so that was that. And then I was working as a dancer and I'd just been to drama school and my father came home one night and said, how would you like to work on an oil rig? <laughs> and like all drama graduate semi-professional dancers, I thought, yes, my time has come. Are they, are they seeing many people? And um, yeah, and uh, the reason I got that job was because uh, my father knew the man who owned the oil company, okay. which is an excellent way to make friends with <laughs> lifetime North Sea rig workers. <laughs> when you, and you show up and, uh, yeah, you show up and they go, who did you get this job? <laughs> oh, a funny thing, actually. My... <laughs> Extraordinary. My father... <laughs> actually knows the chap who owns the whole thing. <laughs> <whole thing. laughs> you know, in a funny sort of way, I suppose I'm probably your boss. <laughs> yeah. No, it was not. It was fascinating. It was yeah. fascinating working on our rig. It was amazing. I went ashore. I'd, they sent me to do the shopping. And... Uh, <laughs> They did, they sent me, because we were in the Cromarty Firth, they tow the rigs in to fix them up when right. they've been battered out at sea. Uh, for Scottish people, that's not actually battered. Uh, just done it. And um, so they sent us ashore and they said, right, go, and, go and get the food. I was like, okay. And they gave me this credit card and I went, right, what's the budget? And they went, there isn't one. You get the food, you take the receipt to the, to the agent and that's it. And I was like, no budget. <laughs> Fantastic. So we'd been eating shit, right? Just rubbish. And so I took this credit card. It was in the Gordon, so the shopping options were not brilliant. But I went straight into the supermarket there, and I bought an entire smoked cheese. <laughs> Huge. I couldn't lift it. It was incredible. Uh, and then I spoke to the butcher, and I got, on that occasion, I got a uh, rib of beef for the, for the guys. But I said, look, this beef... Is there, is there any way of getting better beef than this? And basically, after that, I never worked another day on the rig. All, the, all they sent me to do was get this amazing food. <laughs> and I had the local, I think it was a Scott mid or something, bringing up best end of Scotch beef <laughs> from Inverness. Uh, yeah, it was incredible. The first night I got back on the rig... And they were all sitting there, all these sweaty, dirty men. And, and they went, watch for supper. 
And I went, Mool Marinier. <laughs> and, uh, and then that was it. Like, that's what I did on the rig. That and dancing, so... Yeah. And quietly watching my Kiefer Sutherland videos. <laughs> It's a confusing time for all of us. <laughs> and have you ever thought of doing it? This sounds like a sitcom in the making, doesn't it? Have you thought of doing a sitcom? Well, I did, a, yeah, I did an episode of Giles Wembley Hogg Goes Off in right. which he worked on an oil rig and just used a load of stuff. Well, um, uh, one, it was actually one of my favourite things where Giles came in. Uh, Giles Wembley Hogg is a character I created. I didn't. He's totally me. Uh, basically, he was an eternal gap year student because uh, when I went, I went to, on a gap year and sort of came back and I genuinely walked around London in a sarong and bare feet for a year. And one night as I was picking dog shit and glass out of the <laughs> heel of my foot again, I went, God, this is a good character, isn't it? And, uh, so Giles Wimbley Hogg, uh, when he worked on the rig, went in and went... Uh, I bet there's, um, there's been a bit of a spanner in the works. And they went, why? What's happened? He went, well, I, I dropped a spanner <laughs> in the works. <laughs> Literal thing, which I also did. <laughs> Good fun. Good. Um, yeah, but I, you've worked with Dan Tetzel. So many times, yeah. yeah. And Danny Robinson, yeah. I worked with... Well, you did a history radio Poor show. Poor buggers, yeah. They should have... I mean, when I arrived at Bristol University... So I was like three years out of rehab or something, and I knew what I wanted. Like I was really crystal clear, you know, in ev- in all the decisions I was making by that stage, you know. And so I went, I am going to university to meet people to make comedy with. That is what I'm going to do. And I arrived at Bristol University. I, I didn't get into Cambridge, uh, so I went to Bristol. Oh, sorry. <laughs> saying that I'd already said I went to Bristol it was assumed I didn't get into Cambridge so I was walking down on the first day and I was wearing a green suit with DMs and a white shirt with big cuffs and collars and a uh, waistcoat with gold buttons and I stopped this guy and I went "Uh, excuse me do you know where the and he interrupted me and went drama department yes (laughs) (laughs) down there so I went in and I had, because I'd lived, you know, I, I left home when I was 15. So I, um, I knew what I wanted. I didn't go into halls of residence or anything like that. I just got a flat. So I was on my own. I had no way of being in touch with people. If you're in a hall of residence or something, you can go, I'm in thingy thing. And then people know where you are. I was just on my own. So I had these cards printed, right, which still to me makes perfect sense. <laughs> with my name and my address on. And that's all there was. It, I hadn't put, you know, aspiring funnyman or anything like that. But they were just that. And so if I met people who I thought, oh, you're really interesting, I'd go, well, here's my card. And, uh, but it was purely because I wanted to work with people. And the only two people, I, I basically distributed them in the drama department and I came back to the sort of common room and found a stack of my cards. It was oh. a very, that was a sad day. But two people who kept my card are Danny Robbins and Dan Tetzel, and we have worked together for 20 years making stuff that I'm really proud of. They're brilliant, the two of them. They are brilliant. My they? God, they're amazing. Yeah, <laughs> funny, funny people. So we did, we made We Are History when, uh, we're basically before we left uni, we were in our final year of uni, uh, um, Bristol, BBC Bristol let us make We Are History. And we, right. God, we went to um, the Asda in Bedminster with TV cameras and we said, um, according to local enthusiasts, this is the site where, where Boudicca had her last stand against the Romans. <laughs> Would it be okay if we did a battle reenactment in the store? And the store manager, I kid you not, went, hmm, 
Yeah, I don't see one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a check with uh, have a check with Colin on Delhi, but yeah, I don't see don't see why not. No, he's just he's got cheese coming in later on, and uh, and we did and we did it. We did a sort of battle reenactment. We got a shopper and we painted. We put blue woad on his face. It was amazing. They were so fun to make. The BBC were making ten-minute shorts. It was Marion and Jeff. I don't know what happened to that chat. And uh, and us. And so we, you know, for young new comics, were able to explore an idea without having to make a half hour, which we, I suspect we wouldn't have done very well. But we did make really good ten-minute yeah. comedy programs. Brilliant. We did two series, and then we asked to make longer ones. We wanted to start travelling with it, and uh, we wanted to go to Egypt and do one called A Finger in the Sphinx. Uh, that that was when we lost them. Sadly. Yeah, and you did uh, you did uh, the museum of everything. Which yeah. we mentioned when people are masturbating to at home. Yeah, imagining you, <laughs> yes. imagine you yelping. yelping. Um, what's your favourite museum that you've a real museum you've been to? Because I'm quite obsessed with museums. As I think oh, oh, my favourite is in a town called Foy. Down in Cornwall, right. where they used to, they still have, I think, a small version of the De Maurier Literary Festival. And I used to yes. go and do the De Maurier Literary Festival every year. It was really, really good fun. They've got an aquarium there, right? And it's a really small aquarium. It's really tiny, and they've got blue lobsters. Okay. These great big blue lobsters. And I went in there the first time, and I saw them. I was, oh, that's great. That's a huge blue lobster. Fantastic. And I went back a while later with my kids, and the blue lobster tank was empty. And I said to the guy in there, I said, oh, where's, where's the blue lobster? What happened? And he went, oh, uh, my missus didn't manage to get any dinner in last night, so we ate him. <laughs> and he said, it's all right, I'll find another one in the, in the water soon enough. So that's, that's probably my favourite. Just That's cool, isn't yeah. it? Just go, that's one of the perks of running an aquarium. I, I think so. It's basically just a buffet. Yeah, it's a buffet. Where where does an aquarium in Yo Sushi? Where's the line? <laughs> What's right. yours though? What's your favourite? Well, museum? I, I went to one recently in um, in Cornwall as well, which is the Shipwreck Museum in uh, Charlestown, and I just like it because it's like a museum of a museum. That's what right. I mean. yeah. It's just like you go there and the displays have been there for forty or fifty years. There's a there's a room you're going to with a TV thing about the local town, about Charlestown, yeah. which is part of St Austell. And it's literally from 1975, but it's, it's, so it's, it's telling oh, you about the history of the town that is now history itself. So it's, yeah. and today in Charleston, you look outside and none of the stuff is going on. <laughs> and so that, you know, it was just, and it made me think it'd be great to have a massive museum where a museum of everything the museum where, of museums. Where, where, where you just, when a museum is finished, it just gets transplanted and put in that museum. It'd yeah, have to be a big be awesome. museum. Ripley's Believe It or Not is a bit like that. Yeah, I suppose. I have, yeah. I have behaved quite badly in Ripley's a few times <laughs> in that I would go up to every single exhibit and loudly go, well, I don't believe it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and can you believe that? <laughs> that is unbelievable. Do you, I don't believe that, do you? Do you believe that? It's up to you. <laughs> but there's one there's one in Niagara which is the worst town in the world I think right. Niagara is one of those places like because it's got a really beautiful 
incredible thing there. There's a waterfall. Oh, is there? Yeah. 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 <laughs> but the town is absolutely horrendous, and there's a Ripley's there that is just, that's what reminded me of. It just hasn't moved on from the 70s, yeah. and it's kind of like, believe it or not, in some countries, people's skin is brown. <laughs> so, not dirt, and they haven't painted it on. It's a real thing. Believe it or not. <laughs> I just I love the, the uh, those old displays. This the shipwreck museum has just like uh, this local inhabitant who founded everything, but then got ripped off by a servant. But then it's got a dummy of him with a, like a tape behind of him talking to his daughter, yeah. uh, you know, and just going. You know, Goes, oh, you know, <laughs> the slow movement, of, <laughs> yeah. the slow movement of the museum like, figures. Yeah, and there's a, there's an ex- exhibit of like a shipwreck that goes back and forth, but it's done it so many times that the sea has buckled and there's a big hole in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> the That's fantastic. That's very for years crazy. and years. But it, what was interesting? They had like I don't know what because they had a very oblique uh, collection for the town to the guy who put electricity or gas into homes. I think he married someone who lived in the town. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they had a display of old, uh, like f- the first freezer. It must have been electricity. It was freezers and uh, old ovens. And the thing I realised, it wasn't, they didn't point out, but all the old ovens had like a little shelf above the, above the hob where you put your plates and you'd dry your plates. And I thought that was... Sensible. Yeah, interesting. Though, no? That's what they used to do in the olden days. Just... They were more sensible than us. They were. We should get out of Europe and go back there. (laughs) Things things were safer and better before they were experts. Hold on. (laughs) We already have Marcus. No, that won't happen, Marcus, because we voted to stay in. Uh, Okay, so... Good save, Rich. Thank you. It's all right. We'll just do whatever that one, whatever. Oh, it was too close to call. We're having another one, remember? Ah! (laughs) The worst of all worlds. (laughs) Uh, Farage going, come on, there must be something we can put on a poster. No, Nigel, don't open the chest. Oh, it's too bleak. I tell you my favourite thing you've done. Sorry, I've got no head. That was fucking awesome. Oh, that's, that was so fun, that. So fun. How they let us get away with that, like both in terms of broadcast but also filming. James Barkman, who sadly has now moved to America... Uh, who's that's, a, that's, not, who sadly has now moved to America. That's, I thought he died or something. Sadly has moved that, to America for that, a happier life. Is that not what that means? <laughs> oh, shit. I always thought it's, it was like a dog when someone says <laughs> it lives on a farm in Somerset. It could be. Huh? Move to America means it's over. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, he's moved to America, which I think is very sad. Uh, he and I did these... These women, based on um, based on on one of the writers' mums, who's so basically the conversation came about. The characters are outraged by the price of everything, but they don't know what anything costs. And it came about. Someone's mum had said about their cleaner. She said, "Well, she always she always says she's got no no money, but I called the other day and she wasn't there, and there was an answering machine." <laughs> So, I mean, she can't be that hard up. And, they, and he went, Mum, how, how much do you think an answer phone cost? And, 
don't know. I should, I should think about it, about a thousand pounds, probably. <laughs> and so we just laughed so much at this. We create these two characters, Jasmine and Prudith, and they're everywhere they go. I, I should think it's around about a thousand pounds. And just spent hours shrieking at each other. And, and oh, it was so fun. I wish we could do more. And the, the real tragedy is the reason it stopped was that the producer fell out with the production company. It wasn't that they didn't want any more. Oh, really? There was a sort of, there was, uh, no one knows quite whose fault it was, but there was a sort of hiatus that happened and, and all the momentum went out of it. And telly being telly, they went, oh, well, we'll just move on to something else. Yeah, it was weird because it had the feeling, I didn't watch, you know, it's a kid's show and yeah. I'm an adult and I didn't have children at the time. Yeah. Um, I must have just been on. With, uh, and, what, uh, <laughs> with what you said about Fenella, I'm quite yeah, relieved. <laughs> but uh, it had that kind of feeling of like, do not adjust your set feel, like, yeah. which again, I never saw, but that was the precursor to Python. And, and uh, it was Horrible Histories before Horrible at the same time? Horrible Histories came out at almost exactly the right. same time and cheated. Yeah. <laughs> cheated by being a bit better than our show. Well, there were, but there was, yours was a more anarchic. There was a like. It was more anarchic. And, you know, Horrible Histories, obviously, and I'm not taking anything away, it was a, it's a brilliant show with brilliant cast, great writers and everything. They had the basis both of, of real history and yeah. books, so theirs had an. You know, ours was fairly anarchic and all the rest of it, but. Uh, but it was really good stuff. Yeah. I mean, and, and so much fun to make. That's you know, it was joyful. And when you take away from from sketch stuff that you can't just turn violent or sexy or swear at the end because yeah. you're writing it for children, it makes people it makes people more creative. So it was it was an interesting kind of lesson to learn. Mm. Um, I couldn't do it again. It's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll ask you another emergency question and then we might have to wrap it up and see how England are doing. Wow, they won that game. No, they didn't. They, was, they got knocked out. Oh, they came third and qualified anyway. Uh, if you... <laughs> this is, this is a, continuing a theme throughout this particular episode. If you had to go for a week's holiday with one of the puppets from Spitting Image, which would you choose, bearing in mind that the puppet chooses the destination... And, again, you would have to go on holiday with the voiceover artist and the person operating the puppet. Oh, that's not, it's a really sexy thing difficult. necessarily. Yeah. Uh, it couldn't be Thatcher. It couldn't be Thatcher. Um, <laughs> it just couldn't be Thatcher, no. could it? There's no way it could be Thatcher. Well, see, my memory of Spitting Image mostly are the Thatcher-Reagan sketches of yeah. them sort of getting off with each other. Yeah. Neil Kinnock. Neil Kinnock would be I good. love Wales. Yeah. He wouldn't... Neil... Would he go on holiday to Wales? Yes, though? he would. Okay. Definitely, definitely. Neil, we, we can go anywhere. Where should we go? Yeah, but... Gower Peninsula! <laughs> but he would keep going on the beach and falling over and flicking and go... Yeah. Maybe that's what he would do. That's yeah, his, he'd fall over and lose the election again <laughs> by falling over. Oh, God. Neil Kinnock is good. Who did the Neil Kinnock voice? I don't you know. know. Uh, Phil Cornwall did lots of them, didn't yeah. he? And uh, Steve Coogan, probably. Coogan, maybe, yeah. Coogan did tons of them. Yeah. Ring him. Ask. Oh, well, I'll ring him in, the, in between... Not Steve Coogan. Ring Neil Kinnock. <laughs> you know, funny enough, I almost could, because when I woke... Well, I, it probably still could. I used to work for the... Um, one of my only jobs I ever did in 1989, I wrote the West London phone directory... And uh, that makes it sound grander than it is. I, I, I helped to compile a few of the numbers. Uh, and there was an ex-directory computer. They come, and the first day we went in, they said, oh, you can go on this computer and look up people who are ex-directory. 
Nice. So, and then he, and he, then the guy said, "Look, this is Neil Kinnock lives in the area," and gave and put Neil Kinnock's name in and go, "That's his phone number." So I wrote down Neil Kinnock's phone number. <laughs> so I had Neil Kinnock's phone number. I think once when I was drunk and lived in Acton. And when he, I think it might have even been like the night he lost the election. <laughs> I rang, I, like in the early morning, up. I rang the number when I was drunk. Shouting, that, what <laughs> have you done? <laughs> what but, have you done? But no one answered the phone because he didn't have an answering phone because they're too expensive. Too expensive. Uh, <laughs> so, so I never, but that's terrible, isn't Clear it? Clear this, how much of those? <laughs> So I could, I, could have, I could ring him up if I go and find my old, old address book. There were, in that ex-directory computer, there was a, someone called Dr. Wank, who didn't want to be in the phone book for some Why? reason. Why? <laughs> Why, if he's a doctor? I mean, uh... There are loads of people called Wank, but just being Dr. Wank just makes it... It's brilliant. Same spelling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was someone called Mr. Cunto. Because I just spent a lot of time... I basically spent a lot of time... Jesus. I mean, that's awful, though. If you're called Mr. Cunto... Change you're right. Well, you would change it. You think, but you, you might be proud of your heritage. You come to a country. If no. you went to a country, and uh, they said, "Oh, it's a bit embarrassing in our country." Brigstock means the worst possible swear word, as if it's being said by an Australian. Then uh, <laughs> you would to give it maximum swear. <laughs> yeah. nah, then you would go. I'll change my name to something else. Yes, yeah. Mr. Cunto from Acton or Ealing. Wow, he may be listening in. Because I doubt he get, comes out very Get much. in touch. Yeah. He might be dead now. The Kanto line may have... <laughs> I think the it young It sounds Kanto like was... a type of polish as well. <laughs> so, Neil... Give, give your... <laughs> give your doorknob a rub with Kanto. <laughs> um, OK, look, I'll do this one and then we might have to call it a day. Um... This is uh, from last series. Kettle crisps are not as nice as they once were. Have I changed or have they? That's a rhetorical question. Well, if you, I won't I'll, answer it if okay. it's rhetorical, yeah. but what I will say is I'm a big fan of the kettle crisp, yeah. but I think they're too crisp. Some, it's like eating a bag oh, of like coins. <laughs> I like them when they were crisp. They used to be really properly... Like, They'd smash your teeth. Yeah, that's like, what I like them. Did they you? were very tangy, the uh, salt and vinegar ones. Salsa and mesquite I always liked. Yeah, and I like the salt and vinegar. The salt and vinegar had a proper Don't kick to it. Don't dismiss my salsa and mesquite. Now, <laughs> yeah. I didn't like it. And you then, sounded like a tired anyway, fly. You've made, <laughs> you've made me discuss the rhetorical question, which is very rude. <laughs> if you could travel back in time to compare any food of today with an equivalent from the past, A, what time would you travel to? B, what food would you sample? Tea time. <laughs> Dodo. <laughs> Dodo. Dodo. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Like, there's a reason that Dodo's extinct. There are two reasons that Dodo's extinct. Yeah. One, that it was slow and flightless and easy to catch. But two, apparently delicious. I have a feeling they weren't delicious. I have, Not a, feeling, delicious. I have a feeling this is one of those urban myths. Now, in the old days, I could turn to my audience, who used to be much cleverer than they are now, and someone would go, you are right, Rich, new research has shown that the dodo was unpalatable, but the stupid Spanish sailors ate it anyway. Cause they With the just... exception of an overhung grouse... I've never eaten a bird that wasn't delicious. I think a lot of the problem with dodos was the rats coming in. Ah, see, the rats came in and ate all the eggs. The dodo itself was an, an unpalatable thing. And also, oh. this is a bad answer to the question, because what are you going to compare it to? You're going to go to the Oxford Natural History Museum and, and get the stuffed dodo, which won't even t- sort of lick its Sawdust. skin. 
Oh, I see a, a stuff that you could eat then. Yeah, and to see if it's changed. To see if it's changed. Oh, I see. So what a terrible answer that was. We're on every on every level, <laughs> I was factually wrong. <laughs> I'd misunderstood yeah, the question. Thank God we live in, a, in an age where we don't need experts. <laughs> This is exactly the kind of post-information answer I should be able to just get away with giving. Ignore the data and, uh, and biff on. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, figgy pudding. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because when figgy pudding was first in existence, mm. uh, it must have been phenomenal. Because in a song, they clearly state we won't go until we've got some. <laughs> there's a point, I love that song so much, because there's a point where if you choose, you can make it really threatening. <laughs> we all want a figgy pudding, we all want a figgy pudding, we all want a figgy pudding. Quite bright, quite yeah. jolly, isn't it? We won't go until we've got some. And it's suddenly like, whoa, wait a minute. You've crossed the line. This is only a pudding. No, we're not leaving. We're going nowhere until we've had figgy pudding. I wish I could deliver that kind of whimsical stand-up in my actual (laughs) stand-up, but I can't. It also Um, sort of implies that if they haven't got any figgy pudding, they're going to have to make a figgy pudding, and that could be like an overnight job, couldn't it? It is. It is. It takes weeks to make a really (laughs) good one. So probably, probably figgy pudding, I would think. Yeah. I mean, there are things I remember, you know, when I was a kid, I'm sure. They've, I think they were nice, and then I think they might not be now. Yeah. Like butterscotch instant whip. Yeah. I suspect that is disgusting. I think it was disgusting at the time, but is it diff- has it changed? I mean, is it like... Is, is no, the I think I have. Different? I think yeah, I've changed think around changed. it. It was a rhetorical question. It's oh. A, it's the second, <laughs> second time. The second time you've done So rude. I've, I've never once. been this rude in an interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should go and find out what's going on in the football. I know you're very excited in the about what? football. Why? You love the why? Because when I booked you, I said, you know, when, why I'm doing you a just podcast. End. Are you interested in the football? What? What is football? Things. Do you mean rugger? That's all I am. <laughs> Rug, rugby. I just I can't. No. Nothing. Anyone excited about the football here in the result? Because the people who listen to this know what's happened. Uh, 31 minutes into the game. I mean, two nil to Wales. No, it isn't, is it? Really? That's why, that's why I predicted. No, Who are pretty... Wales playing football against? Russia. Russia are Russia. rubbish, aren't they? It'd be good to see the Russians lose on account of them, you know, Vladimir Putin and that. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Nice to see Wales give them a drubbing at football. Yeah. I got... I said before... <laughs> Therefore, like I, my tour manager, brilliant Joe Norris, such a lovely, lovely man, right? He, he puts my tours together, and occasionally he'll phone me and he go, "Oh, Mark, sorry, you know I've, that 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 tour date's on the night of a big game," and I have to just go, "Joe, look at my demographic. Trust me, and short of a really exciting TED talk being released, <laughs> I think we'll be fine." How do you know the score, any Andy Mage? You're meant to be paying attention to this. He's Welsh. He Get can off feel your... it. Get off. He can feel it. Just pause through him. <laughs> well, we're going to have to end it there on that ex- football excitement. Okay. Two nil to Wales. I wonder what will happen. You'll have to tune in next week to find out. That's <laughs> 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 how football works. Marcus Brickstock. Thanks, Rich. Thank you. Thank you. you have 
been listening to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Marcus Brigstock. The music's by Pess. Thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre for having us here. Thank you to everyone at Go Faster Strike for all the hard work they put in. It's harder than you'd imagine. Craig's sitting over there looking at his phone at the moment. It's difficult for him. Uh, thank you to everyone else at the British Comedy Guide, especially Orange Mark, who hasn't had an orange juice for years out of me, but he's still got that nickname. Thank you to my producer, Ben Walker, who couldn't even bother to turn up for this bit where we record this. He's out somewhere doing a proper job. Who does he think he is? Uh, this is a Sky Potato Fuzz and Go Strike production. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks very much for listening. Go to gofasterstrike.com slash badges. Come on, let this be the day you finally give us a pound for the 105 podcasts that you've had from us. You can give us a money one-off or you can give us a pound a month or more a month if you want. If you give us a monthly uh, donation, you get a secret channel access. You get entry into competitions. You get secret emails. It's amazing. It's an amazing club of nerds to be part of. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. On Formative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.